Welcome to episode 118 of On The Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On The Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now here's your host, Robbie Samuels. About a month before my first book launch, I realized that the date I was counting down to wasn't the end, it was the beginning. All through the process of writing, editing, formatting, and publishing that book, I had my eye on my launch date. That's all I could really think about. But I wasn't publishing a book just to say, I wrote a book. My book was part of a bigger plan, a strategic plan for my business. That meant that even though the book had not yet been published, I needed to be thinking through the next steps. What am I building towards and how does this book serve those goals? And that's when I started to seriously work on the pilot of my online coaching program, which launched the same month that I released the print audio versions of my book. I know it's a lot to think about and in the moment, looking ahead, maybe the last thing you want to be doing. We all want to have a greater impact and increased income. The problem is there are so many options for how to build your business that you can feel stuck and overwhelmed, like you're running out of time. The reason options are overwhelming is that you're looking at them as a series of disconnected steps when, to make the most of your time, you need a strategy that connects only the most important and highest impact ones. Why? Because you know it's true that if you try to do everything, you will accomplish nothing. Which means, to achieve your goal, you have to invest in a strategy to put time on your side. That's what I do for my clients. The More Program for Entrepreneurial Women will help you find the clarity determine what is the right next step for your business. A book, a podcast, an online course, mastermind, speaking of bigger stages. Together, we will design a 12-month strategic plan that will allow you to stack your successes to create momentum and leverage your limited time. There's a 90-day sprint to help you get clarity about your strategic next steps and then 90 more days to help you implement your vision. Just four women in each cohort. The next one starts in January. Learn more at robbysamuels.com forward slash more. Your challenge for this week. Consider for a moment where you'd like your business to be two years from now. Write down a list of all your assets that will help you get there. You have a lot of great content to share. Have you gained credibility by receiving social proof from reputable third parties? Is your network diverse and engaged? The path forward to grow from where you are to where you want to be is based on your answers to these questions. Where you feel less confident is a clue as to where you should focus your attention over the next few months. Try this and let me know how it goes. Now, on to this week's show. Today's guest figured out how to take her struggling, low six-figure speaking and training business to a seven-figure speaking and mentoring business in just 14 months. Now, as an author, personal brand strategist, and speaker, she teaches individuals how to build personal brands that help them get ahead. She is the founder of the Superstar Business Breakthrough Program and host of Awaken Your Inner Superstar, the podcast for leaders, game changers, and entrepreneurs. Her programs have been delivered to over 200,000 people worldwide, and she prides herself on delivering aha moments, one audience at a time. Please join me in welcoming Michelle Villalobos. Hey, Robbie. How are you? Michelle, thank you so much for joining me from your office in... Where are you these days? You're in Miami now? 
at the moment I'm in Miami. <laughs> yeah, you're always I, traveling. <laughs> you never know because I, I travel around a lot and I'm nomadic at the moment. So yeah, I'm in Miami till tomorrow. Well, excellent. I'm so glad that we were able to catch up. I want to just jump right in. This is a podcast about leadership and building strong networks. So tell me, what does leadership mean to you? And when did you realize you had the skills to lead? So for most of my life, until pretty recently, I would say, Robbie, I would never have called myself a leader. And in fact, in the world of leaders and followers, and if you'd asked me to define myself, I would have said, I'm none of the above. I'm, I'm a loner. I'm an independent. I do things my own way. And it wasn't until, really until I had to bring my business back from the brink of disaster that I started working with a mentor who started really bringing awareness to the word leadership and to the importance of leadership in my life. And and what it means to me is first and foremost, someone who can lead herself or himself. Uh, For me, leadership is self-mastery first. If I can influence myself to do things, then that sets me up to also be able to influence others and influence others to step into their power, to uh, step into their full glory, to use their gifts and build their message to change the world. That's the kind of influence that I want to have on others. But first, I've got to be able to do that for myself. So leadership is first and foremost about self-leadership, and then it's about influencing others, ideally in a way that serves them and serves everybody else too. I so appreciate that you brought in that piece about it starting with uh, the individual, um, because if you're trying to lead other people, but you haven't, <clears throat> you haven't had that sort of inner work, it yep. probably doesn't come across the same. It comes no. across in a directive, not in a, as an invitation because you're not so sure of yourself and you don't really know if it's the right thing or not. So it sounds like you had some trial and error learning that for yourself. Yeah. And I, and I, and I know I'm not alone. Like I used to struggle. I still do to some degree. Like a, this is an ongoing process of mastery that I'll be working on for the rest of my life. But, you know, self-mastery being, you know, can I get myself to do the things that I know I need to do and know I want to do and that I resist doing sometimes because I'm scared or I worry that I'm not good enough or I get into a scarcity mindset. So a lot of times leadership for me, when it comes to my self-leadership, it's reconnecting back to my why reconnecting to what moves me, what drives me, and to the, the, the passion that I have for the mission and the message. When I lose sight of that, I can lose um, motivation or inspiration. And, and leadership really, I think, is about reminding yourself and others of what the vision is. What are we, what are we doing here? Yeah. And I, I also imagine that you can have so much more empathy for the people that you work with because I know that a lot of the clients I work with deal with a lot of self-doubt, a lot of that imposter syndrome. Yeah. Um, naming that for themselves has been really powerful because then you can sort of step away from it. But when you just feel like you're the only one in the world who's ever wondered whether you're you know, fit to be called an expert in something and you don't know how to value what you offer into the world in a way that like feels good, and if you're able to be honest with yourself about that, then you're able to then lead other people to creating a better, fulfilling business you know, path than the one they were on when they were just sitting there sitting like, oh, I don't know. I'm not very good. I'm the only one who thinks that. 
what you presence there is also the role of, there's two things really that you bring up, which is one is self-awareness, having enough self-awareness to be able to recognize or catch yourself in moments where you're maybe out of alignment, out of integrity, or out of congruency with your own leadership and message. And then the second piece, which I think is, it's just interesting because I'm in a situation right now where I'm helping a client with this, which is receiving leadership. A lot of times people get to a point where they, they've mastered themselves or they're, you know, they feel master, masterful with themselves. They feel self-aware and then they think, okay, I'm good. I'm done. It's time for me to lead others now. And they forget that leadership is both about delivering leadership and also receiving leadership. And the moment you stop allowing others to lead you and you stop receiving leadership from people, I really believe that that you've stopped growing and really expanding. And I don't think a true leader ever stops learning and growing and receiving leadership. And of course, always want to also be present to and, and intentional about who we're allowing ourselves to receive leadership from. That's a whole nother piece, right? And, mm-hmm. and, and receiving leadership from places that, you know, from people that, that really see us uh, fully in our best, in our full glory. They see the best version of us and they also see our blind spots. And if we allow ourselves to receive leadership from those people and really be vulnerable and open to that, then, then you know, we're constantly in a state of growth and expansion. That's really awesome to to define it that way. I I think of that phrase, uh, "coaches need coaching." Yeah, and I and I always caution people that if they're really excited about working with a certain coach, they should ask that coach, "Who do who's your coach?" Yeah, and if they say, "Oh, I don't do that," <laughs> it's like I don't have one. I used to have one um, because you're right that that idea of always being in a state of learning. And, and personal growth is going to help uh, you be a better leader to others um, because you're sort of, yeah, you're, you're in that, you're, you're aware of, of that journey that we're all on together. That, that sounds like some of the highlights of your work. I'm actually kind of curious if your specifics, you know, what is most uh, rewarding about the work you're doing today? You know, it, I would say that it's witnessing people's awakenings. Um, just like, you know, so I personally had to go through or went through an awakening in that, in that time where I, where I grew my business very quickly and I'm still in it. I don't consider myself done with that awakening yet. And one of the most powerful, fulfilling parts of our work, of my work is to witness someone else going through their awakening and recognizing it, like, and really naming it and, you know, and having that, that aha moment, that awareness that, you know, that, that this is, that the whole world is, is born anew with this new perspective and this Mm -hmm. new perspective really being like, I am the master of my life and everything in it. I determine how I relate to it. You know, there's, I call it like before my awakening, I was very much at the mercy of my circumstances, my, my bank account, my sales, my revenues, my number of deals and conversions. And there was just so much I was trying to control in my life. And part of the awakening has been like to let go 
not to stop working, not to stop trying, not to stop being devoted to the work that we're doing, but to stop being so attached to the outcomes of it. And that when I see my clients start having that awakening and start linking that and seeing how that detachment and and that flowing and that surrender, how that actually immediately almost makes their business grow, that's powerful and inspiring. Yeah, that sounds really powerful. And I, I think about how those intangible mindset shifts, that awakening uh, is one of the biggest outcomes of having a great coach. Uh, but when people come to you, do they usually come wanting a, a, a particularly tangible outcome? Yes. <laughs> and so yes. It's, it's hard, right? Like, yeah. like they say, oh, I want this. And then you're like, detach from outcome. <laughs> and they're like, I know, but I want this. And you're like, yeah. okay, let's start from the beginning. <laughs> well, so the way we work, Robbie, which I, you know, what we do is we lead with the business piece. You know, we really, that is what I speak about. That's what I, um, that's what our core foundational program is about. It's all about business. And I'll tell you a secret, like we can give somebody the best strategy in the world or not even give it to them. We can co-create with them the best strategy for their personality, for their gifts, for their mission. We can strategically, I'm like, that is my number one gift is really the ability to find the strategy, find a creative aligned strategy. And they can have that and still not see a result unless they're willing to jump all in to the transformation piece. Mm -hmm. I mean, generally what's stopping people is not the lack of a great strategy. They think it is. Mm -hmm. um, And we have amazing ones. Like the work that we teach, we teach about how to generate monthly recurring revenues and create retreats and and educational programs that convert on the back end. And, and, And that's all well and good. And it requires someone to really step into embodiment to really step into leadership, to really step into self-mastery. And to be quite honest, most people who are struggling in business don't have those pieces in place. And that's really where the true awakening occurs and where the business starts to flourish is once they marry that strategy with the personal power or empowerment, if you will. So now I'm really excited to share with you that um, I'm working on my second book right now, and it's to help my ideal client, who is an entrepreneur, a woman in her 40s and beyond, uh, to grow her business to the next level through relationship-based strategies. And the very first section is mindset, because I agree with you. Um, it doesn't. You can give people the how-to. You can yep. give them the step-by-step. And I used to teach fundraising uh, years ago. And, you know, the steps of how to ask for money are available to anybody who has access Google. to the internet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what's stopping people. Mm-hmm. And I say to them, on the bottom of page one is the exact sentence to say, if that's what you came here for, you got it. But that's not the reason you're not good at fundraising. Right. And I would walk them through this scenario and I would ask them, how do you feel about asking for money? And they would walk around the room saying like, you know, hate it, (laughs) bad, like I'm begging. Mm -hmm. And then I would draw this whole scenario about the idea of them giving money to their favorite charity and how do they feel in that moment? And they say good and great. And like, I'm I'm contributing, I'm making a difference. And I say, okay, what's the number one reason people don't give? It's because they're not asked. 
okay, so if you can't kick yourself out of the way and let the cause talk, then you're denying your friend's happiness. (laughs) Yeah, Robbie, that's good stuff right there. So I really feel it's the same thing. Like when I work with my clients, they come with the, I really want to do a podcast or I really want to do an online course. And I'm like, okay, but let's figure out if that's really your thing. Like the order of operation here might be a little different, but I think you're right until they have that. I love this word awakening you're using until Mm -hmm. they have that aha moment that like spark. uh, I think of it as a mindset shift. It's really hard for it to stick. It's, it's, it's not, it's just gonna be meaningless almost. Yeah. We talk about that a lot, you know, like, we, because what the way our business model is structured is, and this is part of what we teach, right? It's a we have a three day retreat, a three day immersive experience where we map out a whole new strategy for someone's business, and specifically for a business that's moving from like a one on one model to a group leveraged for to a group slash leveraged model. So they come in, they spend three days with us, they have massive haha moments and shifts, and they have huge awarenesses like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that my business was totally out of alignment with my personality. I didn't realize that my business model was totally out of alignment with with what I love to do in my business. I've got myself sitting behind a computer for eight hours a day when what I love to do is be out with people. Like they have these huge awakenings. We map out this whole strategy and then it's like, okay, you know, go do it. And, oh, um, okay. <laughs> yeah. It's not the strategy. And, and then what it requires is a new identity. Yeah. And the only way to solidify a new identity, I'm going to say 90% of the time, because there's every once in a while you get somebody in there who's just like, got it. You know, they, they just needed the strategy and they're out and they're on the, they're out there and they're moving. And even them, even them, what they need is a new identity to go along with the new strategy. And the new identity comes really with repetition, mm-hmm. with accountability with reflection, with community, with mentoring. There's all these things that require for an identity shift like that to really sink in and stay and stick. I love this retreat model because I I see people joining masterminds that are ongoing masterminds before they've had that awakening and they don't know what questions to ask. Yeah, um, They're not really coming ready to make the most of that opportunity. Whereas if you have, you know, I do a 90-day sprint, you do a three-day deep dive retreat. I think having that, those times to like wrap your head around, wow, there's a new vision that's coming together. Yeah. But then you do need some sort of accountability to move forward um, because it is a big change from like what you saw yourself doing before. And, and there's like legitimate hurdles. There's technological oh. hurdles. And, you know, I, I actually recently helped some uh, women I know who are great experts join a virtual summit that I was invited to because I realized they didn't have that many women on, as guests. And one of the byproducts of that was that these women, several of them had not yet set up a landing page to collect email addresses to give away a freebie. And they'd been meaning to do it. They understood by that point the need to do it. But that was the deadline <laughs> that got right. them to sit down and be like, okay, how do I do this? <laughs> it became a must. Because we, they had the opportunity. It became, a, it became a must. It went from being a nice to do, yeah. good to do, to becoming a must. Mm-hmm. So what's been the challenge for you as you had that identity shift? Because you know you went through this experience, it's a diff- maybe a different degree from the people you work with, but 
what was what were sort of challenging as you made those shifts for your own business? God, so many, so many challenges. I mean, whew, the first was if we start at the the most basic level, I would say the people in my life. I had allowed myself to be influenced by people who weren't really aligned with my values just by virtue of them being family or friends. So, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I, I imagine a lot of people will, will relate to this. Like I grew up in an immigrant family, Robbie, my parents are Cuban immigrants, Cuban refugees, really, or my, my dad is a refugee, not my mom, but they both grew up. They both had very, a lot of scarcity mentality and a lot of fear, right? Because at least in my dad's family, they, they had it and lost it all when my dad was a teenager. So he came from a legacy of like total fear and scarcity around money that at any moment, all that you worked for could be gone. And on top of it, a little bit of a chip on, you know, this is kind of the Cuban mythology, I'll say, at least the the Cuban culture that I grew up in, of like a little bit of a chip on their shoulders too, of like, we got to make it all back. And we have to prove to everybody that we're valuable and that, that we, you know, that we can do it. And so there was a lot of that energy in my childhood, in my family, in my community of like, you better, you got to shine or not shine better, better word. You got to, you got to win. You've got to achieve, you got to succeed. And so my identity all the way through high school, all the way through college was very wrapped up in my grades, in my status, in my achievements and my success. And so for many years, even after college, like what I pursued was a better job, a higher status. I got an MBA. I got a 4.0. I went to an Ivy League school. Like all what I I identified with in my life was wrapped up in this striver identity and, and achievement. And so, you know, when my business struggled and tanked, like first I had to come to terms with, you know, the fact that I was quote unquote a failure in my own eyes. And then when I started my business and I started to really say like, I want to lead my life. Like I want to, I want to be the master of my life. I want to do things my way. I kept going back to the same sources for my support. I kept Mm -hmm. going back to my family, kept going back to my friends who had all seen me grow up and who had all seen me with this achiever success kind of persona and never saw beyond that. So when I wanted to like be a coach or be a speaker, there was no context for them. Like they never, first of all, they never even knew you could do that as a career, you know? And so they were giving me really terrible advice, but nobody knew it. Like they were trying to help me. And I, and I was trying to feed my ego and get love and approval from my family. So I kept going back to really wrong kinds of, I kept seeking mentorship in the wrong places uh, from the wrong people. And I kept involving like my family and my decision-making process when they didn't have a clue what to tell me to do. And so what they would tell me to do was to play it safe. And so it just, you know, that was one of the biggest challenges is one of my mentors calls it, you know, not knowing my engines from my anchors. Mm. and. And really like getting clarity on who are the people that see the vision that I have for myself? Who are the people who see me as bigger than I see myself? Who are the people who want me to take risks and want me to jump and want me to be big and shine bright? Like those are the people that I need to be looking to for my, as my engines. And the other people, it doesn't mean that I have to dump them or get rid of them, but more just like be intentional about what I'm seeking from them and when. Yeah, that's really powerful. And you illustrated it from your uh, particular family perspective. But I feel like 
so many people can relate to this, particularly if they're the first in their community to like shift into this speaker, coach, thought leader space. And I'm thinking a lot of the women I work with who are in their 50s, nearing retirement, in early 60s, and a lot of their friends are actually slowing down, are talking yeah. about retirement, are like taking it a little bit easy. And my clients are like, nope, I'm revving up. <laughs> I got yeah. more, I got a lot more to do. And I think it could be really hard if that's the community that you've always sought support from for 30 years, they've been there for you, but your yeah. life is just going a different direction. So that, like you're saying, know your anchors from your engines. Like that's a really good little descriptor for it. And that you have to, in some ways, the people that you're seeking out to motivate you may at first scare you a little bit because what they see in you yeah. uh, is bigger. Like Dory yeah. Clark, I, I've been friends with Dory Clark for a decade. And I can tell you that like seven or eight years ago, she told me to leave my job and mm. just just do it. Not like a, with a plan, just like, just go. I, you know, I'd been speaking mm. on the side and, and I was like, oh my gosh, I just realized how much I love stability. I love a paycheck. I love healthcare. Like I was just like, I was shocked from her suggestion, like completely floored. And it took me a while to come around to it. And then I actually, there's sort of an ongoing joke because I told her, okay, I'm ready to leave my job. I have a three-year plan. (laughs) And she was like, what? That's not a plan. And I came back to her and a month later and said, I gave, I gave two months notice. Um, I'm going to help them wrap up. I I was there for a decade. You know, it was really a really hard mental shift, like you said, to see in myself what others were seeing in me and to take those leaps. I think it means you have to surround yourself with people who are are swimming kind of in the same direction as you, which is what's so powerful about joining programs, online courses, three-day retreats, masterminds. It's like part of it is you just want to be with your people. Um, because it can get really lonely. It's, you know, it's, a, it's not an easy road. And, you know, like you said, you need to have those people who can kind of give you that forward thinking advice that's not going to leave you stranded somewhere. <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm doing next. Yes. And really people who are willing to tell you the truth and at the same time who see you with love and with with belief, you know, it's, it's a, it's an interesting balance and it, it not just anybody can be trusted with that, you know, to see the best mm-hmm. version of you and also to check you and, and reflect back to you when you're being incongruent, when you're out of alignment, you know, and then there's your work, right. Or our work, which is to receive that and mm-hmm. to, you know, and receive it even, even when it hurts, even when there's a trigger there, even when, when we don't want to face it. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, 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 it's really important to find those people. So I'm going to switch topics a little bit because in the beginning when I was saying like, you know, thank you for joining me for your office in, where are you again, Miami? Um, you were talking about being a digital nomad and um, I, I've now gotten to know quite a few people who have that kind of lifestyle. And I'm, I'm wondering sort of how you manage self-care in the midst uh-huh. of that because the, and I like logistics, but the logistics of figuring out where I'm going to be next and traveling and making sure I have Wi-Fi and where am I buying my groceries? Like that just seems like more than I currently want to handle. Of course, I have two children under the age of three, so I'm already doing my own fair share of it. Yeah, logistics. You're using <laughs> all your logistics energy. I am. Toddlers. <laughs> <laughs> so, but but wh- where do you sort of find that? And and it's not so much balance. I, it, it's sort of like a 
as an integration, I guess. But, you know, already as an entrepreneur, there's challenges to like, when is it off? Like, when are you not working, quote unquote? Um, but, but what's sort of your routine like to make sure you're taking care of yourself on the road? That is such a great question. And, and in fact, you've hit somewhat of a, of a nerve, actually for me, like this is a spot where I have some, some pain, which is that, you know, my body wants to settle down. My body wants to be in one place. My body does not love crossing time zones as much as I do. And so that's kind of the, the, what I'm, what I'm figuring out, what I'm, what I'm allowing to drop in is where is it going to be? And that's really the, the big question for me. You know, there's, there's, I've got some home bases, Miami being one of them, Denver being another, these days, San Francisco is another. And, you know, all of them have their, their things that I love and, and self-care is challenging on the road, really challenging, especially since I have a pretty high standard of self-care. So what that does look like on the road, like I have an app, which I uh, love, which is called class pass. And that's where I, whenever I get to a new city, I, I enter, you know, my new location. And then class pass tells me all the yoga studios, um, I pay a monthly fee and I can basically go to any, uh, any place I want, anywhere I want. Uh, and, and it has a whole, basically I can find a yoga class from any time from about six in the morning till about nine o'clock at night in any major city. So that's, that gets me through the yoga fix and the workouts and things like that. Then there's, you know, I do a morning routine that I'm uh, quite diligent about. I meditate every morning for about 15 minutes. And then I do a couple of other practices uh, as well that are like silent and uh, internal introspective types of practices. I journal. So my mornings are, are filled with that no matter where I am. Um, and those are the two things that keep me the most grounded, yoga and my morning practice and then food. Whenever I go anywhere, usually my, my first stop is a Whole Foods on my way to the hotel or Airbnb. Um, and these days, every place has Wi-Fi. So that's, you know, I generally end up and I only really work, you know, work, work the, in front of a computer or email or things like that. Generally, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, most often, Mondays are a, a catch up day for me, which I can work for where, from wherever. And then Fridays are generally a creative day. So it's yeah. kind of how I how, how I roll. And and I, I'm definitely open to a new level of commitment in that front as well. Well, I'm happy that this is another sort of reminder to urge you to take care of yourself so you can do all these wonderful things in the world. Mm -hmm. But it's so great that like I've heard of ClassPass, but I hadn't realized how far spread it was and how brilliant it is for someone who is particularly traveling around the States, the ability to drop in and immediately check out a gym and go to a class and not have to worry about membership or... Exactly. And um, when you're talking about your, your morning routine, have you heard of Miracle Morning? The, the book? I've heard of it. Yeah. And I think I've skimmed it as well. Um, I, ha- I need to read that. I need to properly read it, I'm sure. So they actually have like a whole slew of them now, including one for entrepreneurs and oh, really? one for like uh, writers. I think the one for writers is the one that I finally read. Um, so, so basically different people have co-authored with the original author. Uh, to give a, a little different spin. So you might be able to find something that's even more aligned than what you originally looked at. But all it's right. similar to what you're talking about. Um, I don't know if I can remember all the steps, but essentially there's a lot of like, there's a meditation and there's uh, affirmations, visualization, exercise, 
uh, reading and writing. So actually, I did remember them all. It's called Savers. Um, was this, so S for silence, which is meditation, affirmation, mm. visualization, exercise, writing, and then scribing because W does not fit <laughs> um, mm. with, the, with the acronym SAVERS. But, um, mm. but I, for people who are trying to start out, I think it's a really nice balance because it's sort of like a few minutes of different things and people can make their own blend, you know, whatever works mm. for them. I am most productive at night. So I finally had to relinquish the idea that I was going to have like this perfect morning routine <laughs> for myself because I wake up with enough time to get myself ready and get my kids ready. But I do now get to the gym several days a week, which is a huge plus from what I used to be able to do. Um, it's required yeah. some coordination and effort. And we all could like do better, right? Like that's never going to be a checklist that I can be like, oh, I am perfectly done with like my self-care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so... I, the other thing I think about when I think about your career is how many people you've met and, and the variety of people you meet and the locales and the different, you know, industries and kinds of work they do. So I, I always th- wonder how someone like yourself is, is maintaining relationships, like uh, connections, not just with those people who are closest to you, but the second and sort of third tier out, the people that you know, you met at a conference or maybe at a, a dinner one night, you know, it was hosted and like you enjoyed them. How do you, like, what are your practices around that for being purposely uh, sustaining those connections? I mean, what's working the best for me, because I really struggle in this area, you know, as a, as a star profile, quote unquote star from a wealth dynamics, like I'm really good at quickly establishing rapport with people, intimacy with people. And where I generally have struggled in the past is maintaining it and staying connected because I tend to, it's, it's a lot of volume, a lot of quantity, and then, you know, not as much quality or depth. And so what's been working for me really, really well is to, is, is I bring my chief relationship officer with me to my events and she is hardcore, like very, uh, what we call belazy. She's, she's a people person and she's great at nurturing and maintaining relationships. And so having her come with me is really helpful because that's part of her, her job description, part of her, you know, vocation in our business is to nurture and, and stay in touch with relationships. Mm -hmm. So that works really well. Um, and then of course there's the usual suspects. There's two things like this. My podcast is a great way. You know, lately what I've been doing is when I meet people, you know, I ask them, would you like to be on my list? And if they say yes, which they generally do, then, um, I add them to the list and, and they get a welcome email with a podcast, you know, with it. And we start promoting the podcast. And so the podcast has been a way for people to feel like they get to know me without requiring me to be on top of it. So email marketing slash podcast is one, another big way. And then of course there's social media and Facebook, but quite honestly, like I don't love spending a ton of time on Facebook. So the best way for us is, is really to continue to push out great content and things that people like to consume and then hope that the people that are aligned and a fit just stay engaged with that. Mm-hmm. And then I also know when I saw you last year planning to host a dinner, which I think just took place um, when you were in the Bay Area, is that something you do on a regular mm-hmm. basis, kind of gather some people together and you're going to create an experience? Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm starting to play with more of that now. In San Francisco, it happened to be living at a house, like a mansion that's beautiful. And they want me to just invite people over. They just want to build more community. So they're letting me you know, host these dinner parties and stuff. And it's just super fun. So I love doing that. And then we like to host our own like half day and full day workshops and events. And that's another way we, we stay engaged with people. You know, as a quote unquote star, according to the Wealth Dynamics test, uh, you know, one of the best things that I can do is, is, is create opportunities to attract people mm. and create opportunities for, for one to many opportunities rather than one-on-one opportunities. So I was asked recently what my superpower was. Um, it was actually, I was at the Women in Technology International Boston Summit. I was their closing keynote speaker, which was a real honor. And the opening, uh, the MC wow. sort of opened with, hey, everyone, take a moment and think about why you're here, which is really powerful. And I'm so glad that was asked. And then, and what's your superpower? Because you're going to spend the whole rest of the day asking each other what your superpower is. You can just forget all those boring questions you usually ask. (laughs) Um, Like, what do you do? Um, So mine is convening people. I had not just convening people, but convening people. So they are having this like really Mm -hmm. engaging experience. And I think that's partly your superpower too, right? It's the ability to attract people to a Mm -hmm. space where they're connecting with each other. Yeah, I would say that's that's a superpower. But if I had to name my number one mm-hmm. superpower, I think it's activating other people mm. and getting them excited about trying something new and and stepping into a bigger version of themselves. That's why. I, well, my my title is the superstar activator, and I think that really describes me well. Yeah, absolutely does. I, I I love the visualization of it too, and mm-hmm. I you you carry the theme really well. If anyone who wants to go check out her website, you'll see it's carried through. So, um, if we were having an opportunity to connect again a year from now, when we you know let's say see each other at the next uh, National Speakers Association conference, which is where we got to know each other, and we are talking about all of the success that you've experienced in the past year, what are we going to be celebrating? Oh, that's an awesome question, Robbie. Um, I would say we'll be celebrating, you know, the launch of Retreats to Riches, which is an ebook and a book. It will be a book once it's an ebook first, uh, where I share the secrets of my business model and really invite people who feel uh, inspired to do these small events, to step in and, and do it and like step through the fear and, and, you know, share easy ways to monetize these events, uh, and, and, and really make an impact. So I think we'll be celebrating retreats to riches and perhaps the almost second year of my podcast by then. That's great. Congratulations that the, the podcast is going well so far. It's, it's quite the endeavor to even get to a year. Um, not everyone, not everyone does that part. That's what I hear. I, yeah, you'll see, you know, I think you get to like 200 episodes and you're like the top 2%. Wow. Um, it's kind of incredible um, how few people manage to do that. So um, this has been just a great conversation. You've given me a lot of things to think about. I'm sure our listeners as well. Uh, how can people find you and follow your work? Yay. Thank you, Robbie. Um, they can go, they can look me up. You can Google Michelle Villalobos, which 
for the gringos listening, it's Villa Lobos. Um, or you can go to superstaractivator.com. And from there, you can find the podcast and uh, you can book a call to learn about our programs. You can get free stuff on there. It's all sorts of goodies on our website. That's fantastic. I will have all those links in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Michelle, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Thank you, Robbie. It was a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Michelle. Such a pleasure to speak with her and learn about her leadership journey. What is your key takeaway from our conversation? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Share what resonated with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 118. That's also where you'll find all the links and resources from today's episode. And as I mentioned earlier, the next cohort for the MORE program for entrepreneurial women begins in January. It's a six-month program to help you take your business to the next level through relationship-based strategies. The early bird offer of one-third off expires on December 15th. So check out the details at robbysamuels.com forward slash more. And let's find a time to chat about whether working together will give you the clarity focus, and strategy you're seeking. Interested in one-on-one coaching? I offer a few different options. Reach out and we can schedule a complimentary chat to see how I can help you. If you enjoyed this episode with Michelle, please share it with your friends and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's show. Remember, subscribing is always free. Are you a fan? That's awesome. I'd love to read your review on Apple Podcasts. It's easy to find our page at itunes.ontheschmooze.com. Thank you in advance, and I look forward to connecting again next week when I'll be interviewing another talent professional about their untold stories of leadership and networking. We'll explore their career challenges, work-life balance, and how they built a strong professional network on their way to becoming successful leaders. Until then, have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's on the schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.